If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of I'll find Romans 8 and 28. I want to read a passage for you that we quote a lot. I want to take a look at it maybe a little bit closer and see if I can bring to light some things that sometimes we know but we forget. So Romans 8 and 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We read that and we hear it quoted to us a lot. And most of the time it's when we're going through a difficult situation and it's almost as if sometimes the person quoting the scripture implies that, well, you know, I mean, all this is for good. And we forget what, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that everything that happens is good. And so there are going to be things that you face in life. There'll be trials and there'll be tests and things that you go through that at times cause you want to throw your hands up and say, God, I don't get this. Why, why am I going through this? But nowhere in Scripture do you ever read where God said that you'd never face trouble and you'd never face trial and that everything would be a bed of roses. But what we do have is a promise that he'll work it for good. Not that everything that happens is good, but that he'll work it for good. So I want to take a look at four points in the scripture. And if you would write these down, I think maybe it'll help you to look at this in a little bit of a different light. The first part of the scripture says, we know. So write that down. We know. It's kind of like Paul is doing a question and answer session here. He says, we know. So the question is, what do we know? The answer to that is, we know all things work together. How many of you got here by a car today? When you got in the car, when you got ready to turn the key to the ignition, did you go through a diagnostic check in your head? and say, okay, I'm going to turn the key that's going to ignite a spark plug. There's going to be a combustion that happens in the carburetor. And a lot of cars don't have a carburetor today, so I'll have to bring Gerald up here to get more technical than that. And then that's going to cause pistons to fire, you know, and, and then the car's going in, it's going to build up pressure. And then when I put it in gear, it, no, we don't do that. We just know that everything in that car works together to get us where we need to go. Just like you know when, how many of you know when there's something wrong with you? You know what I'm talking about? You wake up, you gotta, I, I, was, I was asleep one night. I wasn't asleep, I was trying to sleep. Did you ever start to get a sore throat and know it was gonna be a bad one? You know what I'm, you, you know what I'm talking about? It's when you lay down and you start to swallow and you all of a sudden feel like it's sore, and, and you know where that's going to go in the morning, and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go there. Because everything in our body works together. Amen. And Debbie told me, I was, I was telling Debbie, I said, man, I feel like I got a, a bad sore throat coming on. And she told me, she said, get up and gargle with vinegar. <laughs> and I thought, well, what did I ever do to you? <laughs> Get up and gargle. I said, gargle with vinegar. She said, I'm not kidding you. It'll check it, man. It'll put it in check. And, and, she, and, and I, if you want to find out about organic apple cider vinegar, talk to my wife. I feel like Bragg's owes us a lot of money because she has gotten several people started on that. Raise your hand if my wife has knocked on your door. You know what? I'm not, not knocked on your door, but raise your hand if Debbie's talked to you about apple cider vinegar. Look at that. Look at that. How many of you, now raise your hand if you took it after she talked to you about it. Look at that. 
Now raise your hand if you quit taking it after you took it the first time. All right, look at that, look at that. That's what I'm talking about. So I got up, but here's the deal. See, we know that things work together, but sometimes we don't want to give it what it needs to work. Are you with me? For example, my car needs gas to work together. I'd love to be able to drive by every gas station and thumb my nose and say, I'm never going to buy gas again. As a matter of fact, when I graduated high school, if you'd look in my yearbook, you'd find a page where it says gasoline has gone berserk, 89.9 cents per gallon. That's in my yearbook. I had a man tell me, he said, they say it's liable to go to a dollar a gallon before summer. I looked at him and squared off and I said, I'll walk before I pay a dollar for gasoline a gallon. And I meant it. And I, I kept my word. I walked to my car, drove to the gas station and got some more gas. Because I, I realized something, it didn't matter how defiant I was about the price of gasoline, I needed it to go. When she told me about that vinegar, I thought, man, I do not want vinegar in my mouth. I don't, yeah. But then I kept feeling that cutting on my throat, and I thought, you know what? I don't want this throat, I mean, I don't want this sore throat worse than I don't want apple cider vinegar. So I got up, I put that vinegar in my mouth, threw it back, did the gargling stuff, spit it out, and kept spitting for a while. And I realized something. The next morning, I didn't have a problem with a sore throat. Everybody say, it worked. So we know. What do we know? We know that all things, everybody say all things, not just good things, all things work together. So the second question is this, work together for what? The answer is for good. How many of you have ever made the statement or heard somebody make the statement, I just don't see how in the world any good could ever come out of this? Anybody? You ever been in a situation like, I just don't see how any good could come out of this. But oddly enough, God's got a way of making it happen. So all things work together for good. Now the question three is good for who? Good for those that love God. I want you to get this. All things don't, do not work together for good for everybody. It just works together for good for everybody that loves God. Everybody say, I'm in love with him. So here's the deal, it's when you commit your life to him, Paul said it this way, he said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that that I commit to him against that day. Paul's saying, look, I'm trusting him with who I am. I'm trusting him with what I've got, and I'm putting all things in his hand. Amen. And here we've got a promise that he'll work it for good to those that love him it, and are the called so the last question is called to what? Everybody say to his purpose. I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on there is power in purpose. Would you say it with me one more time? There is power in purpose. You know, they have a program. I don't know what it's called, but it's like the top 10 countdown. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like you know, the top 10 most poisonous animals, the top 10, all this. The other day I, I saw the, the top 10 most powerful machines. And the one that came in in the top 10 most noisy class. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> now that's always, that's a good sound to me because when I hear that, I know they're having fun. Let's give them some of it back. Are you ready on three? One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. See, they're coming in to check out what's going on. Uh, so, so the top 10, and the, I don't know what it was called, but it was this machine that was on wheels, and there was a hoist underneath it, and it was made for lifting ships. 
And they, they would take and they would pull these straps underneath these vessels and it could lift 1.6 million tons. Maybe it was pounds. It was heavy. So they, they'd hoist this thing up and they would move it. And that was created, all that power was put together for a purpose. And I'm telling you that there is power in purpose. You've got to understand that you've got a purpose. God has a plan for your life, and there is power in purpose. If you go to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 17, it said, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose, everybody say purpose, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Everyone's power and purpose. Let's review Daniel's life for a second. Everything works together, right? But everything that happens isn't good. Daniel was kidnapped. He was taken into captivity, and so that's not a good thing. But Daniel made up his mind that no matter where he was at, he was going to bring glory to God. How many of you have ever struggled with only bringing glory to God when everything's going right in your life? Anybody in the house today? Do you find it difficult to thank God when things are going wrong? Anybody in here? We all do, don't we? We struggle to be able to thank God and to keep things in perspective when what we're going through isn't pleasant to us. Here's a young man that's been carried away from everything that he's known. He's been kidnapped, and the king isn't demanding a ransom. Daniel's not going anyplace. He's just stuck. You ever felt like he was stuck someplace? Stuck in a job, stuck in a relationship, stuck in a, a, a pit that you just can't seem to get out of? <laughs> I got an amen in the corner. So we, we, we wrestle with that, and here's Daniel. He's stuck, but Daniel made up his mind to do something, and that was to give it the best he's got. Everybody say, give your best. You have to apply yourself in every situation, not just the ones you like. How many of you tend to draw back when you're going through something you don't like? You don't give 100% when the boss made you mad. You don't give 100% when all of a sudden the person you're working for is a not pleasant. You tend to pull back and hold back. But Daniel didn't do that because Daniel understood something that what he was doing, he wasn't doing for man, but he was doing for God. Colossians 3 and 23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what's wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done for God has no favorites. I think somebody in the back must have been an only child. <laughs> God has no favorites. How many of you raised in a family? I don't want to start anything here, but how many of you raised in a family and you were the middle child? Remember that song, Here I Am Stuck in the Middle? So it's always, when it came to the ones that were older, how come you can't be more like? When it came to the ones that were younger, well, they don't give me any trouble. But when you're in the middle, sometimes you feel like nobody sees you and nobody's paying attention to you. But the truth is, is that God said he's no respecter persons. God doesn't have any favorites. And so what Daniel did is Daniel said, you know what? 
I'm in a situation I don't like. I don't want to be here, but I'm going to give it the best I got while I'm here because I know if I do this for God, that God can work it together for good, that he can bring something out of this. And Daniel began to excel in captivity. Why is it that we've got this feeling and this idea in our head that the only way God can use us is when the sun's shining and bluebirds are singing and everything's coming up roses? Nobody gets to go through life that way all the time. We're all thankful when we can sing that song, zippity doo da, zippity yay. We're all thankful when everything's going our way. But what about when things aren't going our way? What about when all of a sudden you're faced with adversity and you're faced with challenges? Do you just give up or do you get up and say, I'm going to trust God with this. I know he's got a purpose in my life and there is power in purpose. When you look at what Daniel does and what happens to him, he begins to excel in a, a land that's not his. He begins to move forward among people that don't even worship his God. But Daniel continued to worship God. As a matter of fact, Kevin, he gets, it's like he's on a speed course to the top. And Darius looked at him, and when Darius looked at him, he saw something in him that he didn't see in other people that he had placed in position. So he made up his mind. He said, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to take Daniel and put him over the entire kingdom. And he was poised to do that when all of a sudden his peers, everybody say, my friends. How many of you have ever had friends or you thought were friends that turned out not to be so friendly? Anybody in here? You've always got friends as long as you got a pocket full of money. <laughs> but when you run out of money, you may run out of friends. Amen. You've always got friends. When, are, are you with me? These guys had always been a friend to Daniel, but when Daniel began to excel, their friendship backed up. And they started trying to figure out how they could stop Daniel. Now, here's a problem is everything Daniel did, he did with integrity. Man, how many of you want that said about you? I mean, think about it. When, you, when, when this life is over, on your tombstone, whoever's engraving that, I'd love for them, and I, but it needs to be true if they're saying it. I mean, I can engrave my own tombstone. You know? Matter of fact, there was a friend I had that engraved his tombstone before he died and before his wife died. And on the back of his tombstone, when you read it, it talked about how she left him and went to be with the Lord and left him here on earth. There was a slight problem with that. He died first. So now you go out there and, you're, and I see people reading that with a puzzled look on their face. Well, isn't that... <laughs> you see... You can engrave it, but just because you engrave it doesn't make it so. But God is writing something down in a book. God is recording something, and what he records is forever settled in heaven. Daniel was a man of integrity, and they could not find any of his business. Don't you know that they were investigating him? Trying to figure out, okay, he's somewhere along the way. This guy has blown it. He's, he's cheated somebody. He's pocketed some money. He's done something someplace, and they came up empty. And they finally got together, and they said, you know, the only way we're ever going to trap him is concerning his God. Because when it comes to God and Daniel, the two were inseparable. And so what they did is they devised a plan. Everybody say pride. How many of you know we all got some pride in us? I mean, even chickens have pride. Have you not bought that at the grocery store? Pride, chicken. 
They sit in that package with their chest all pushed out. Everybody's got pride. And what they did is they used the king's pride against Daniel. They went to the king and they got together and they said, King, look, we've all agreed that nobody for the next 30 days ought to be able to ask or petition anything from any God or any individual except you because you're a great king. You're a wonderful king. How many of you, be honest, how many of you, when people start bragging on you, have a hard time not... Uh, I know if I say Barney Fife, some of you aren't going to know who I'm talking about. But if you ever saw Andy Griffith, anytime his deputy got bragged on, he kicked that lip out. And he, look, we can get carried away with ourselves, can't we? I mean, if we're going to be honest, can't we? I mean, if somebody comes up to you, it took me a while to figure that out because when I was traveling, people come up, oh, that's the best message I've ever heard. Oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And then all of a sudden you find out they're after something. They want something. But here's the truth. You've got to be careful about pride because pride can trip you up. And so they went after the king's pride, and they said, you know, you're so great, nobody ought to ask anything for the next 30 days except from you, and he fell for it. He bought into it, and because he bought into it, he ended up creating a situation that could cost Daniel his life. Listen to what the Scripture said, when pride comes, this is Proverbs 11:12. when pride comes, then comes shame. Have you ever done anything that you were ashamed of? Do you understand that God gave us emotions so we could experience life? He did not give us emotions to dictate to our life. Because if I'm operating out of anger, I can say something that I'm going to live to regret. If I'm operating out of bitterness, I can let it put me in a prison and I never experienced the life God wanted for me. And so the king allows pride to creep in. He didn't even know what they were up to. So they make that statement to him, and he said, man, it sounds good to me. And they said, now you need to sign it into law because the law of the Medes and the Persians can't change. Once you sign it, it's sealed forever. And so he signed it without thinking, and Daniel knew. I want to ask you a question. Are you, our relationship with God is it only real as long as it's not costing us anything? Or does it, be, does it stay real even when you know it's going to cost you something? The Bible said that Daniel knew the decree had been signed. It wasn't something he didn't know about. He knew it had been signed, and he went home to pray. You know, I know what life was like before I knew God. And I know what life is like after I've known God. And I don't want to go back. I, I don't want to go back. I had a man look at me one time, and he was an atheist, and he said, but what, what, if, what if at the end of this, what if you're wrong and, and there isn't any God? I said, if I'm wrong, I've, not, I've got no regrets. I said, I have loved my life. I, I have enjoyed serving God. It's been a thrill for me. If I get to the end of this and find out that there isn't any God, I'm okay, man. It's all right because I've enjoyed my life. And I looked at him, I said, but what if I'm right and you're wrong? What then? See, I'm, I'm not serving God to try and keep out of trouble. I'm serving God because I fell in love with him. Amen. Amen. Love Amen. covereth a multitude of sin. Amen. And so he did something to me and for me that I couldn't do for myself. Daniel goes and he opens that window and he keeps praying they rush in and find him. They go get the king, and they said, you signed the decree. It can't be changed. 
Daniel's got to be thrown into the lion's den. And at that moment, the king realized he'd been set up. How many of you have ever done something that you, later you went, I can't believe I did that? Did you ever, how many of you have ever fallen for something? Anybody ever pull one on you? You remember that going around? I don't know if it went around when you were in school, but when I was in school, they had this funnel that they were carrying around the school, and they were taking people, and they said, and, the, and a guy had a handful of quarters, and he was, they were walking around, and they said, look what I won, look what I won. I said, how'd you win that? They said, well, you take this funnel, and you stick it in your pants. We put a quarter on your head, and for every quarter that you can drop into that funnel, you get to keep. So I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm not volunteering, because I figure there's a hook here somewhere. And, and, and they're trying to get this guy to volunteer, and he said, I don't know. And this girl says, oh, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. Her name was Belen. I'll never forget it. They got two cups of water in the funnel before she realized what had happened. <laughs> set her up. I'm telling you that the world will set you up. The king realizes what he's done. He works all night long trying to figure out how to free Daniel, but he can't do it. How many of you know when you can't get the job done, there's a God that's still able to? Amen. Amen. The king doesn't know what to do. He goes to Daniel. Now watch this. Daniel's life had had such an influence on the king that the king went to Daniel, and the king looked at Daniel, and he said, Daniel, he said, the God that you serve continually, everybody say faithfully. That's what the word means. He said, the God that you serve faithfully, he'll deliver you from the lion's den. And he put Daniel in, and they put the seal on so that the purpose concerning Daniel couldn't be altered. In other words, read it like this, so Daniel couldn't be rescued. But what his enemies didn't realize was that there was another purpose that was more powerful than their purpose. <laughs> there was another plan that superseded their plan. And God didn't have to break their seal because wherever you find yourself, God's already there. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God's there. David said, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. You're never going to find yourself in a situation that God can't reach you in. You're never going to find yourself under an attack that he can't free you from. If you'll just say, here I am, God. He went down into that, into that cave with those lions, and the, it's sealed up, and they think, man, it's over. The king couldn't sleep that night. He wouldn't eat that night. Uh, and early the next morning, the Bible said that he ran uh, to that lion's den, uh, and he cried out groaning. Uh, he cried out in pain. Uh, he cried out in grief uh, and said, Daniel, uh, it's a God you serve continually, uh, able to deliver you from the lion's den. Uh, don't you know? that the world is waiting to see if what you say about God's true, if he really can, if he really is, if he's still alive, if he's still well, if he's still able. Amen. That king hoped to hear something but wasn't sure that he would. And all of a sudden what he heard wasn't words of insult. What he heard wasn't words of animosity. It'd have been easy to, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, man. If somebody did something bad to you, wouldn't you be upset with them? Look at what Jacob said to Laban. If it hadn't been for my God showing up and speaking to you in a dream last night, you would have taken everything I got. You rascal, you've changed my wages 10 times. You've never treated me right. He's on a rampage. But Daniel cried out, live forever, O king. 
Because my God sent the angel and shut the lion's mouth. He said, because I've been found innocent in his eyes and neither have I done anything to harm you. If we'll live our life in a way that demonstrates the love of God. Look, if you don't agree with someone, doesn't mean you have to be angry. How many of you ever have had a disagreement with your wife? Stand up if you're able. You know what I'm talking about? You're not going to get through life without conflict. But you don't have to give in to the conflict. Debbie and I have had disagreements at times. She's discovered that I was right. And other times I've discovered that she was wrong. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God, forgive me. It's hard to admit when you're wrong, isn't it? I was on her, this has been years ago, you know, long before you ever knew me. <laughs> I got up and I was after, I was trying to find keys to the car and I couldn't find them and I was so upset and she was, you know, I, I had to get to work real quick and she's laying in bed and I said, honey, I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys. And she said, I said, do you know where they're at? And she said, well, no, I don't know where I I said, honey, I can't find my keys. And she said, well, I don't know where they are. I said, well, get up and help me look for them. I was treading on dangerous ground just then. But I was frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated? Come on, I know you all float on clouds and walk on water, right? Do you ever, do you ever I mean, just get agitated and all of a sudden it just... And I started, I said, I, I'm so... I said, these kids, they take my keys and they put them place and I don't know where they're at. She said, well, did you check the car? I said, yes, I've checked the car. And she said, well, what about your pocket? I said, they're not in my pocket. I said, well, did you check the car? Go check the car again. So I went outside, opened the car door, went to get inside the car. And when I did, I felt something stick me in the leg. I reached in my pocket and found my keys. I never went back in the house. I went to work and prayed all day long that she would forget everything that had happened. See, when you find yourself in frustration, it'll cause you to act in ways that you never thought you would. Say things that you normally wouldn't say. Daniel just held on to a promise that God's got a purpose for my life. And there's power in that purpose. Look at your neighbor and say this with me. God has a purpose for my life. Darius couldn't rescue Daniel, but God could. I thought about the good that were promised. Everybody say good. Because I mean, I don't want to go through something for nothing. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many of you have ever been through the ringer? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the ringer. When I was a kid, I'm, I'm finding myself at that age where I have to explain all my references. When I was a kid, our, our washing machine had a ringer. Everybody say a ringer. You had to wash your clothes, take the clothes out of the machine, put them in a big wash tub, rinse the soap out of them, and then run them through a ringer. My sister got her arm caught in the ringer one time, got all the way up to here before they were able to hit that thing and release it. And then my dad decided to go high tech after that. He thought this isn't worth it. And so he went and bought a washing machine that had a ball on the floor that you stepped on to turn the ringer on. And then when you, when, if you wanted to stop the ringer, you just took your foot off of it. You didn't have to hit that anymore. Just take your foot off of it. And every once in a while, you get caught in the ringer. And you knew you didn't even have to hear anybody yell. You knew by their action that they were been in the ringer. Any of you ever been in the ringer? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, God, how did that happen? And now I forgot what I was even talking about. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Stay with me. 
So what you have to do is you have to determine how is good going to come out of this because when you're in the middle of something, you don't see any good and you don't want to go through it for no purpose. So everything that Daniel went through had a purpose. See, sometimes we find ourselves praying this prayer, God, keep me from this, rather than praying, God, see me through this. Because God, what God doesn't keep you from, he'll see you through. So if you find yourself in the middle of something, it's not a time to get all worked up and begin to say, I don't understand why I'm here. It's a time to begin to pray, God, see me through this. God could have kept Daniel from the lion's den. Instead, he chose to see him through the lion's den. And then the good came. Well, what good could possibly come out of this? It's found in Daniel 6, 26. This is King Darius speaking. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, so Daniel prospered. There it is. He will cause us to prosper. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I want you to get what I'm saying. Everything doesn't have to be going right in your world for God to prosper you. You can be surrounded by hell. It can feel like everything's closing in on you. But there's a God that's able to, in the middle of hell, reach his hand out, hold you up, and say, this is my anointed. Prosper you. He caused a heathen God to proclaim his, his reality. This isn't the king of Israel. This is a heathen god that had wor- or a heathen king that had worshipped all kinds of gods. And out of his mouth, he's saying that Daniel's God is a real living God, that he lives forever. Amen. You can't destroy his kingdom. Now listen, you can take me out, but you'll never be able to take out what's inside of me. You'll never be able to rob me from that because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Everybody say, let it prosper. Power. When we prosper, there's power to that. Romans 8 and 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I thought about our desire to live a trouble-free life. I mean, if I'm going to be honest with you, (laughs) that's my desire too. I I don't get down and pray, God, send some trouble my way. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm always looking for that, you know, Trouble free, you know, no. I like that cleaner that you just spray on. You don't even have to wipe it. It's it's just, go ahead, hit me with it, God. What I've determined is God's got to work some stuff out of me. Have you ever prayed for somebody else? God fix them. They're so messed up, God fix them. If you need some advice, God, I can tell you what you need to do. And all the time, then you find out that it wasn't them, it was you. God's trying to work on you. But in my mind, I'm a legend in my own mind. That's how some people live. You know, oh, I'm, I'm telling you that when you surrender to God and you finally give it to him, you'll find out that he can do things in your life you never thought possible problem sometimes we get overwhelmed with the trouble we're facing and we just want to cut and run from it here's the problem is that 
when you get to where you're going, you find out your trouble got there 15 minutes before you did. And it's just sitting there waiting on you. Because you can't run from trouble. Ask Onesimus. Onesimus is Philemon's slave. He gets sick and tired of people telling him what to do. He says, I want to be free. I, but there's more to freedom than somebody not telling you what to do. I, I, I want to be free. And so he cuts and he runs a thousand miles to Rome. I want you to hear this. When he gets to Rome, he's, he's run a thousand miles to get away from his situation. He gets to Rome and bumps into a guy that knows who he ran away from. Here's Onesimus, a slave, trying to run to be free. And then all of a sudden, he ends up finding a free man that had willingly become a slave. I don't know how their paths crossed. I don't know what happened to make it. But Onesimus finds Paul in Rome. And Paul had been a friend of Philemon. Can I use my imagination for a moment? Can you let me go there? God gave it to me for something. So in my mind's eye, I, I see Paul because when Paul gets to Rome, he's not, he's not put in prison like everybody else's. What Paul does is they give him, his, they give him a soldier that's assigned to him. And he gets to live in a house, but there's always that soldier present to make sure he's not going anywhere. Somehow, some way, Onesimus finds out that Paul's there, or Paul finds out Onesimus is there, and he invites him over, and he walks into his home. And Onesimus, what, what are you doing here? I, I left. Well, what, what about Philemon? What, look, Paul, I'm just going to give it to you straight. I stole money from him to get here, and I'm not going back there because I'm t I, I want to be. You don't understand what it's like to be a slave. You don't get it. And I can't help but think that Paul looks at him and said, Onesimus, do you see that Roman soldier? Yeah, big deal. So you got your own personal bodyguard. No, Onesimus, you, you misunderstand. He, he's not there to keep people out. He's there to keep me in. I'm a prisoner, Onesimus. What? Yeah. Well, well, how? Well, the Lord told me that I'd get to witness the Caesar's household. and I had friends telling me not to go to Jerusalem, that it wouldn't end well for me there. And the truth is, even the Spirit spoke to me and said I would be bound there. Well, then why did you go? Onesimus, I love him so much. You don't know what I was like before I met him. Onesimus, I was responsible for people dying. I separated mothers from their babies. After all he's done for me, I gladly surrender my life to him. And over the next several months, Paul pours into Onesimus, and Onesimus discovered something. I was never a slave. Because true freedom, freedom that comes in the heart, cannot be taken from you. So he has to go back and face it. Everybody say, i got to face the music. He tells Onesimus, I want you to go back to Philemon. You've got to be kidding me. You, you want me to go back, but Paul, you know that under law, I can be put to death. He said, no, Philem or Onesimus, I'm not going to send you alone. And he pens a letter. And I love the way that Paul starts his letter that he sent in to Philemon. He starts it by saying, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he writes. I appeal to you 
for my own spiritual child, Onesimus. This is Philemon 1 and 10. Whom I have fathered in the faith while captive in these chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you as well as to me. I've sent him back to you in person. That's like sending my very heart. I would have chosen to keep him with me so that he might minister to me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without first getting your consent so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. And then in verse 15 he writes, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Aren't you glad that God knows how to reach past our troubles and speak power to our purpose? I'm telling you that what God did for Onesimus, he can do for us. Whatever prison you feel like you're in, whatever situation you're facing, Mike just a few weeks ago found himself in a situation that seemed like there was no way out. But God showed up. And God gave him a way out. Aren't you glad that God is able? That God can do what we can't do? I want you to, I want to share one more scripture with you. This is in St. John 12 and 27, this is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. What's he saying? He's saying, this is the reason I'm here. I can't free you unless I'm willing to face that cross. So his words to us are this in effect. I'd rather hang on the cross for you than to live through eternity without you. So I'm willing to face the trouble so I can impart my purpose into your life. Would you stand with me? His name was Bob Eden. He spent five decades in darkness. He'd never been able to see. And then through an operational procedure that was very meticulous, Bob got his sight back. When he got his sight back, he was ecstatic. He said, yellow, I, I never knew yellow could be so yellow. But, but red, red's my favorite. I, I love red. And then, and then those jets that go through the air and they leave that stream of vapor behind. Oh, I love that. And, and, and the, the moon at night and, and all the stars and, and the twinkling. And, and, and I, I just never imagined it could be so wonderful. And that's a true statement. Because those of us that can see Those of us that have always had sight can't possibly imagine what life is without it. So sometimes we live in darkness even while we can see. I mean, how many hundreds of rainbows do we see before we ever notice the beauty of one. Maybe I was a weird kid, I don't know. I used to lay in the grass and look up. I'd look at the rainbow and I'd run these scenarios through my mind. You you have to understand, I wasn't raised in church. So I'd run all these scenarios through my mind. I wonder if there's a pot of gold at the end of that thing. I'd heard that. Then I'd look at it and I thought, man, that, I'd see birds go flew, fly through the air and I'd see the trees swaying in the wind and 
I'd watch clouds and their shape. I'd, I'd go outside at night and stand and look up at the stars. And, and I came away with this. As a kid, not knowing him, not knowing anything about him, I said, there's got to be a God. There has to be. But I didn't know the wonder of him. And then when I found him, <laughs> when I this is the deal, when I found out what he did for me. See, sometimes, if you've been around Christianity all your life, sometimes you're inoculated to the disease. You know what I mean? You've experienced it so much that, that it's, it, it's, not, it, it's not a wonder to you anymore. I pray, God, never let that wonder leave my heart. Uh, let me always be thankful and mesmerized uh, that someone as holy as he is uh, could love someone like me, could care about me. When I found out what he did, I fell apart. I was at, my, my brother was at the church that day. I'll never forget it, man. He handed me a handkerchief. Dry. I, I came apart. The reality of Calvary hit me. You can hear about it all your life. But until you are able to close your eyes and hear that hammer ring, until in your heart... You get a picture of him suffering. And you're crying out, leave him alone. And then the reality of all came crashing in. They didn't do it to him. They didn't force him there. He chose to go. Why? because of me. Now, I know that it's for you too, but for right now, it was just me. Because until it becomes personal to you, you're never going to understand the power of purpose. I grew up in a, a neighborhood that, well, I'm not going to get into all that, but God somehow snatched me out of all that. I worked for nine years in a factory and I ached inside to want to do something for God. And then I started hearing a voice speak to me, why are you still here? There's power and purpose. And I left the place where I was to pursue someone I couldn't see. But I could feel him. I want you to hear what I'm going to say to you today. God has a purpose for your life. I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care if you're in your 80s or 90s or if it's that newborn baby we held today. There's already a purpose stamped on her. That's why they came and gave her back to God. Use her for your purpose. If I could get you to understand the power that God has invested in you. Think about this, and I'll end with this, but that scripture that said, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to what? According to the power that what? That worketh in us it all works together you turn the key and in an instant everything happens and when we say yes to Jesus Amen. in an instant everything happens for good he works it together for good I wonder if you're ready today to say, here I am, God. I want you to use me. I mean, I really want you to use me. I know there are some people that are always content to watch the parade. I want to get in it. I, I, I want to be a part of it. 
So if you're in that place today as they come, if you want to be a part of the parade, would you come and stand with me at the close of the service today? Just very quickly, come and stand with me. You may be driving the car. You may be passing out. You, you understand this is all a parable. It's all an allegory. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this, is you can't just go to church and sit in church. You are the church. You, you can't just warm up. I always told people, God called me to be a bench warmer. He called me to get them so warm you couldn't sit on them anymore. There's, there's something in you. Don't let other people define you and don't let your past define you. Don't, let, don't, don't buy into, I'm not ever going to be anything. I'm never, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are a child of God. You've got, oh, you, do you understand who your daddy is? He owns a cattle on a thing. That's your daddy. He, he's not a stranger to you. So why don't you raise your hands and say, here I am, dad. Come on, here I, here I am, dad. I want you to use me for your glory. I want some power to my purpose. I want to be able to be a world changer. I want you to turn me into a thermostat instead of a thermometer. I want you to use my life to stir the hearts of others. Are you ready? Stretch those hands to heaven as they sing it together right now. Are you ready? Let's pray together right now. My heart Father. is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. My life in your hands. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. accept us use us God for your glory we don't want to go through the wilderness for nothing we don't want to get on the backside of the desert and find out that the trip was in vain God all the troubles every situation that we've gone through we're asking you to turn it work it together for good to your purpose God to your purpose we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, give my hand clap of praise in this house. Take it all, take it all. My life in your hands. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all, take it all. My life in your hands. I want to. I want to end with this today. If you would just get someone by the hand for a second, look them in the eye. Just if you need a hand, I've got two up here. I want you to look at him and I want you to say this with me. All my mess has not been for nothing. I refuse to let the devil have my mess. <laughs> I'm giving it to God. <laughs> and God's turning it into purpose. And there's power in my purpose. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house today. When you walk out of here today, I want Debbie to come down front. A lot of you don't know that uh, she forced herself up out of bed today. She's, she's been in bed since about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, 4.30. Huh? She got uh, some food poisoning. I told her to leave that carrot juice alone. <laughs> and uh, how many of you believe that God can restore her completely? Yes. Amen. I want you just to stretch your hand toward her, if you would. I'm going to ask a couple ladies to come lay hands on her. Come on up here. She stretch your hands toward her right now. Would you believe God for her right now? Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're the healer of our bodies that you're the restorer, God, of our soul. I take it all, drive it all out of her. Lord, in Jesus' name, I give you I give you praise, Lord, Father. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. All right, as we, as we get ready to go, 
as we get ready to go turn around look at your neighbor is there anything you need prayer for you need to get used to doing this it's all about letting God use you so if there's somebody next to you that needs prayer for something I want you just to reach your hand out to him right now would you do it just reach your hand out to him and pray this prayer with me father I thank you for the purpose that you've placed on their lives and there aren't enough demons in hell to rob them of it so father Lord we stand on the promise of your word that you're going to work everything together for good Lord to those that love you and that are the called according to your purpose use them God break the chains that try and hold them open doors for them God utilize their life and let glory God be what shines down from your throne in Jesus name we give you praise Lord right now thank you Father thank you Father thank you Father come on stretch your hands to heaven May the Lord smile on you and cause his face to shine on you. And may you know every day of your life that he's made you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And he's going before you. In every place you set your foot, God's already declared victory in Jesus' name. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you. God bless you all today. Bobby, I'm doing good. It's good to meet you, buddy.